Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. I don't recognize out there. So welcome if this is your first time here at Horizon Church. Sorry. Say hello as well to our uh, Horizon Princeton campus. Pastor Mike is up there this morning. Uh, Our campus, Pastor Jen Borja, uh, for those of you that haven't heard already, uh, gave birth to a little baby girl this week, Ariella. So... And she's a big girl, I think nine pounds, seven ounces. And so we're, everybody's doing well, though. And it's wonderful, great privilege it is that God gives us with children. And the Bible talks about them being just a gift of God. And so, Jen, Praxis, all the best for you and as you recover. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful gift. And we look forward to meeting her in person or online or however it's going to be. But uh, I can't believe that uh, summer is basically over. I know September came, but it's like someone flipped a switch to fall. Uh, I was talking to someone this morning. They came in with a jacket and a sweater on because you look outside and it's rainy and cold and you think it, or you think it's as colder than it is. You put your jacket on your sweater and then you get outside and it's still like 16, 17 degrees and you're sweating. So it's a lot of rain. And uh, for those of you that hated summer and how hot it was, your season is coming. It's not my season. I'm not. I just can't get my head around loving eight hours of daylight and uh, eight inches of rain in a day. It's just, just have a moment here. And, but we're in the middle of a series called Return, and uh, the idea that with all that's going on, that all of us would. And you heard it referenced at the beginning of the service. If you're here and talked about it last week, that that we'd be open to the the idea that perhaps there's some space in our heart, in our life, that needs to return to God. That there are areas in our relationships that may need to return to God, in our perspectives, in our attitudes. And I've been praying and meditating and thinking on this for many, many weeks, and that word return out of Hosea 6.1, which is one of the minor prophets. They're called minor prophets, not because they didn't have anything good to say, or that they were small, but because they had a small book, they didn't they didn't have a lot to say in in the spirit in the period that they were in. So little books of prophets, but a common refrain of the minor prophets in particular was, "Come, let us return unto the Lord." Someone say, "Return, return unto the Lord." Joel two and thirteen says, "Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate." And whenever the people of God throughout Scripture got into trouble, whether personally or as a people, the refrain of the prophetic voice was always to return. And that implies that if you have to return, that you were there once and you may have wandered from it. And so I'm asking all of us to be open in this season to the possibility that I personally, each and every one of us, not just the person beside you or your spouse that you might elbow right now, that We all need to return because in the middle of it all, as we look what's going on in our world, whether that's in social media or on the media, uh, in the media itself, uh, in in all the news that's going on, the frustration, the 
the, the destructiveness, the confusion, the anger, and weariness. That's a common refrain that I'm hearing. Just weary in all that's going on. Some crippled by anxiety and fear. Some are just mad. Others struggle with carrying resentment towards people maybe that have said something about them or resentment towards somebody having a different position on some issue in our culture right now. Am I talking to anybody else or is it just me making the observation? I know people who are afraid to say anything right now. That's why none of you said anything. And then others struggling because of the pressure of the season. And seasons like this, pressure doesn't make something happen. It reveals what's inside of us. And if what's inside of us is, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's in us comes out of us when the pressure's on us. So some people are struggling with pornography and other sexual sins, things that they thought that they had dealt with. Some people are struggling with other kinds of addictions, whether that's food or, or uh, different things like that. Others are lost from God's word, lost from his prayer, lost from his people in a, in a sense. And then in all of this, we have the political tribalism on every issue where it used to be able to respectfully disagree. We don't have that capacity, it seems, in our culture anymore. And there's just an angst in every, pretty much every area of our culture right now. And so as people of God, as the, as the church, we have to recognize that the mess is a mess, and it seems to be getting messier in so many ways and spaces. But we have to come to the place that it's not going to suddenly change because we elect a different leader that you hope. There's no amount of money that's going to solve what's going on in our culture. There is no amount of advocacy that's going to advocate enough change in our culture. There's no platform that we can build for the right voice that's going to change it all because at the end of the day, what's going on in our culture right now in each and every one of us is a heart issue. It's not a more money issue. It's not the right leader issue. It's a heart issue. And, the, and in it all, as the people of God, like the prophets of old, come, let us return unto the Lord. Our hope is Jesus. Our hope is returning to Jesus. And as a pastor of a church, I'm calling our church. If you're a part of our church or you're just a peripheral person right now or you're checking us out, I'm calling us back to be a people that put our focus and our attention not all on what we don't even have great control over in, in one way, but the part that we can do is return unto the Lord. Return to a strong and a vital spirituality. Return to God with all of our heart. Return to God. Be open to the possibility that there's some space in our heart that needs to return. Come, let us return unto the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that all of your heart towards us is for our good. Lord, that all that you do in our life is to bring us towards you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning, that you would unstop our ears. We acknowledge that we need you in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. How many of you have ever heard of this concept called ghosting? Not like ghosting, like, ooh, that kind of ghost. But if you're under probably 25, you know what that is. Am I right? You know what ghosting is? 
there's some people who are like looking around for a ghost. There's no, you know, it's not Casper the ghost. It's not a ghost. It's ghosting, which is this, when someone cuts off all communication without explanation, they just suddenly stop. You don't get a text anymore where you used to get a text. You don't get an email. You suddenly find that when you start coming towards them, they dart to the left and, and go to the washroom or something like that. Someone's not responding, and it happens all across every social stratosphere. And it's, when it happens to you, it's incredibly difficult. The worst is when someone you thought was your friend suddenly cuts you off, ghosting. But I was talking with someone this week, and they said, we, we were talking about this in relation to our relationship with God, and they said, maybe you should call your sermon, Don't Ghost God. I said, that sounds cool, but I don't know if everybody will get it. The, but ghosting is that when the communication breaks down and it begins to affect the relationship such that the relationship's almost like it never existed. Or certainly the benefits of that relationship and the connection that was once there is no longer there. It even happens in marriages. I know that different times in my life when Shanda's been wrong, that... Uh, just catching, yeah, they're seeing a, I'll pay for that later, the Lord help me. I might get ghosted right to the couch. There was a period of time, and this has happened a couple of times in our relationship, where for whatever reason, we didn't speak. Somebody said something the wrong way, and if you're in the, in the right, the wrong space, you suddenly are just like, you shut down. When we were young and immature in our marriage. And... When Shanda was wrong and not communicating, just kidding, just, yeah, just keep digging, just keep digging, it affected our relationship. There was a, I'm getting an amen from somebody back there. We'll be praying for you, Lord, help that marriage right now. But when, you're, when you have those moments, and it doesn't even have to be a, a marriage relationship, it can be a friend or at work, and you walk in and you know everything's not good and you feel like a chill in the air whether that's at work or at home or in a friendship or a marriage. And I come home from work, and were we still married? Yes. Was it full of joy? No. Was there great connection? No. Was Shanda wrong? Yes. You're going to remember this now. Because <laughs> Shanda's preaching soon, so... Lack of connection or communication can sometimes be the source of problems for a relationship, and at other times it can be merely the symptoms of the problems of a relationship. Either way, communication breakdown eventually leads to relational breakdown. One of the first signs of a relational problem is a communication problem. Someone said that communication is to a relationship like oxygen is to life. Without it, it dies. A relationship without communication is just two people. The single greatest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And most husbands would say amen to that. I'll pay the price. It's all I'm going out. I'm walking on water today. But in our relationship with God, could we be open to that possibility that we don't have a relationship problem in, in our own lives or in our churches or in our community or, or with what's going on in our, in our world, but we have a communication problem? 
without exception, a return to God, a changed life, a, a revived church, a revival in our, in our community, salvations, miracles, a changed nation are almost inextricably linked to prayer. I don't know about you, but when someone starts to talk about prayer, it's one of those disciplines in life that we all know is healthy and important, but we all know that we feel like we could do better. And you're like, oh, another sermon on prayer. <sighs> I feel like I'm falling short in how I pray or how often I pray or what I pray for. Do I say the right words? Maybe like me, you have an incredible intention to pray powerful prayers but more often than we care to admit, my intention falls short of action, or the action to pray is cut short by distraction. It's amazing. You cannot recall something that you've forgotten for years. You sit down to prayer, and you remember a small detail from nine years ago, and suddenly you're thinking about something that had no relation to that moment when you were just right praying. Does anybody else have that happen? You, or you close your eyes. You've had insomnia. You close your eyes, and you start to pray, and boom, you're asleep like that. If attention deficit disorder applied to prayer, then I may be diagnosed. If you can relate with some of that, we're all in this together. We all do pray sometimes. We pray when the money runs out, before the month does. We pray when our heartthrob turns to heartbreak. We pray when the doctor gives us a less than positive prognosis. It seems we're motivated to pray the most when the needs are bigger than the provision. And it's not just us. When the followers of Jesus saw Jesus pray, there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that made them say, wow, it was impacting. It, it says this in Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We need help. Notice that. They said, teach us to pray. Not just teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. The disciples like us often probably were looking for techniques or that I could do better or longer or whatever, but I think that often the greatest battle in prayer is not a new method or a new strategy, but it's simply just communicating and praying. Perhaps we're worried about how we pray when we should just be concerned if we pray. Jesus said to his disciples, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. In other words, Jesus said, we start all of what we're asking God to do in our lives, in our families, in every space with this absolute certainty that we have a Father who loves us, who is for us, who is not against us, who's working for us, who's working in us on our behalf. Jesus first saw prayer as relational rather than transactional. In other words, he saw it not just about what, was, uh, what you could get out of it, but what you could, who you could connect with in it. Connection over content. And he shows us to address God as our Father. And that was mind-blowing for the culture that they were in. There was a Jesus called Abraham, the ancient patriarch, his friend. He called Moses his friend. He called his disciples his friends. And then he goes a little deeper and he says, I'm calling you, I want you to call God your Father. He wants to have relationship with us. That's what prayer is about. Now in this, John 17, he says, this is eternal life that you may know, that you, they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
But without communication with our Father, we cannot have a good relationship. Your Father in heaven, though, is all around us. He's not distant. He's not reluctant to speak to you. When, he, when you talk to him, he wants to respond to you. And, and when, we, when he takes the initiative to speak to you, if we quiet ourselves, we can hear and listen to him. One of the first signs of a relational problem is a communication problem. And one of the first ways to fix a relational problem is communication. And for my, when Shanda and I would have moments like that, invariably one of us, usually me, uh, because I was usually the one that was wrong, would say, I can't handle this anymore, this gulf between us, the chill in the air. And I would come and I would say something like what we call in our family the nine most powerful words. I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Because I didn't want the gulf to be there in a relationship. I didn't get married to be in a house and live like a single person. I got married to come into a relationship with my wife and to enjoy all that that was intended to have for her, that we could enjoy great companionship and love and all that is intended to do. And sometimes in our relationship with God, we don't realize that our relationship is intended to be closer and more intimate so that God could work in us, that everything that God wants to do in us, it could, he could see it come to pass. In Hosea chapter 14, O Israel, that's the people of God, return. Someone say return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all our iniquity. Receive us graciously, for he, we will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Take words with you. Say to him, offer the sacrifices of your lips. Don't assume that everything is good. And if you feel that there's a bit of a gulf, if you see that there's a bit of a gulf in your sense of God, now Jesus has not left you, but sometimes we can step away from God. In our attitude, in our actions, in our judgments, in our cursings, in our whatever it might be. And we have to be open to this to the possibility that I could be closer. I know right right now in my life, when I look back, there have been times in my life where I'm I have been closer to, to Jesus than I am right now. And when I'm preaching this, I am preaching it to myself as well this morning. I know that there's more for me in God. And I want to return to him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. The first commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Take words to him. Say to him, offer the sacrifice of our lips. The first step in strengthening our relationship is communication. Returning with words of repentance, returning with words of humility, returning with words of confession. In verse 3, it says this, Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount our war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. Now you're like, what is Assyria? What is war horses and all that? He's simply saying that we're not going to trust in, a, in an external nation. For them, it was an external nation. When they got in trouble, they would often ask that one to come and help them against the nation that was coming from that side. Instead of going to God, they went to something external. And they went to what their own hands could make, idols, things that they put up and built at. We can have idols sometimes that we go to before we go to God. Idols like our own financial acumen. Idols like our job, idols like another relationship, idols like having everything put together, idols like whatever it might be that we go to before we go to God. 
Are we open to the possibility that we might need to return? See, prayer is this acknowledgement of my dependency on God. We need God to forgive our waywardness and backsliding. We need God to awaken us to a compassion for people who are far from him. We need God to revive us again. We need God to lead us. We need Jesus to heal us, to heal families, to reconcile relationships, to, to heal physical bodies, to see people come to know him. We need to see hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people return. We need to see a church revived. We need to see a church alive to God. We need to see a people alive to the possibility that God has birthed them in this time in history because they have something to offer, that you and I would be awakened to the possibility that God wants to do something something in you and through you that's greater than where you are right now, that we would be open to the possibility that just going to work and coming home and putting on Netflix or whatever we do and repeat for five days a week and coming to church on Sunday, that's just scratching the surface of what God might want to do in us. Oh God, we need you. I'm not saying that with any kind of condemnation. I'm saying that with you and say, God, I want to return to you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. I don't want to be an observer of what you're doing in the earth. I don't want to be a critiquer of what you're doing in the earth. I want to be a participator with what you're doing in the earth. We need to return. And sometimes our image of God is messed up, though, and when we think of returning to God, we think we're returning to somebody who's going to beat us around the ear and say, you've got to prove it now before I'm going to do something in you. You can hear more about that if you want to go online on to, and listen to last week's sermon. We're going to that in a little bit. But I just thought of this illustration. Um, it was a number of years ago. I think I was around 10 years old, and I was staying at my grandparents uh, my, in Alberta. And my sister, I think, was 12, so I would have been around 10 or something like that. And I had a younger brother. And my grandfather, was he was uh, taking care of us at home while my grandma went to work. And uh, I was scared of my grandfather. He had a hand that could uh, make your ear just ring uh, and not be just boom like that. It would just snap your head if you were out of order. I was a little bit scared of him. He was kind of gruff. I know he, he loved me, but sometimes I wondered if he liked me. And it was just because I, I was, we were all a little bit of, out of control. And I'm saying that in jest. I know my grandfather loved me. But I was a little scared of him. And he told me to do the dishes. And so being very proactive, I, and he said, get Tom, that was my younger brother, to help with the dishes. And so I started, put the dishes in the sink, put the soap in, started the water running, and went to get my brother. And one thing turns into another. Your younger brother is not coming when you call him. And so I was calling him, and soon I was chasing him with a broom, and we're running around outside and everything. And suddenly I was like, <gasps> the water. Now run back into the house, and I came up the back porch. I can picture it clear as day right now. My heart is ready to stop. And my grandfather came in from the, the dining room into the kitchen, and the water was running down the counter, running down into the coal bin in the basement. It was just running and running. I looked at him. He looked at me, and I ran. <laughs> and me and my brother ran across the alley, up a tree, and stayed there until we saw Grandma coming home. For real. And when I saw grandma coming home, we kind of snuck back because I know my grandma was full of mercy and grace and would help me. And whew, I still got disciplined, but I was. But sometimes we think of God in that way, that all he is about to do is going to be punitive to us. 
But God is a God, he will discipline us, but it's always for our good. It's always to restore us. It's always to bring us back. It's always to put us in a spot where he can work in us and work through us. Return to God in prayer. And Hosea reminds us that we're returning to a good father, full of compassion, full of mercy. Prayer is returning to a good, good father who knows what's best for me, who believes the best for me. And what happens as we return to the Father in prayer? In verse 4 of chapter 14, it says this, The Lord says, as I return, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. Or another translation says, you're backsliding. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. Do I see my own faithlessness and backsliding in any space in my heart? Am I open to the possibility that it's not just someone else, but perhaps me? But I love what the, the, the prophet says, I will heal, your, the, the, heal you of your faithlessness. Do I see myself as needing healing or is it always for someone else? But as I return in prayer, I love what I'm promised. As I return in prayer, I am healed. As I return in prayer, I experience the boundless love of God. See, God is not just meant to be the God out there. He's meant to be the God in here, the God that I know, that, that sometimes I feel him super close, sometimes I don't, but I know that he's Emmanuel, God, with me. And as I return, I'm promised that I will experience the boundless love of God. And he goes on in verse 5, I will be to the people of God or Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. Now, I know that this is a promise to Israel, but it's also a, the way that God works with his people. The Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like the beautiful olive trees as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. Really picturesque poetic language to show that your life actually becomes what Jesus said, full of life and life to the full when I return to God with all of my heart. As I return in prayer, I experience the refreshing of God. As I return in prayer, I begin to blossom into, what, into who God called me to be. In verse 8, it says, O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayer and cares for you. I am like a tree that's always green. All your fruit comes from me. As I return in prayer, he answers my prayer in line with his will always. As I return in prayer, I experience his care. As I return in prayer, he makes my life fruitful, and fulfilling. Why return in prayer? I've been reading a little bit about revivals that are happening and have happened in Canada. And, and in the 1960s, there was a great move of God called the Jesus people. And the question of the day was, was there any hope for the hippies, as they were called? Their disillusionment with this sterile, hypocritical culture that they were growing up in caused them to challenge anything and everything in their life that they'd been raised with. Nothing was off limit. The government, the war in Vietnam, the expectations of going to school and getting a career for young adults, the church, big business, question everything was one of their mottos. Don't trust anyone over 30. It's two mottos that were clear. Some of you were them. And anyway, it goes on, and in the middle of what, it was a very, very troubling time. Rampant and continual drug use. Many blew their minds, hanging on by a thread. Free sex and immorality plunging people into deep brokenness and STDs. 
Eastern spirituality and occultic practices that led to all kinds of cultic things and deception. And then the summer of love in 1967, and for I, that was before I was born, but I know some of you were alive in the room, were alive that are in the room were alive. The summer of love in 1967 in San Francisco saw thousands of young people burnt, burnt out love children. They were called roaming the streets looking for love, looking for a place to crash, looking for a party, looking for drugs. And however, that summer, there was a small spark of salvation that ignited a massive move of God that transformed a generation between 1967 and 72 called the Jesus People Movement. The Jesus People began to drift north from San Francisco, and in 1969, two young women, two young Jesus People women, as they were called, Karen and Beth, crossed the border into Canada, determined to preach the gospel at Simon Fraser University. They needed a ministry base and a place to live. They heard that St. Margaret's Church and Pastor Bob Birch in Vancouver, who's now gone on to be with Jesus, might help them. His response was, come over. And he says that as they got out of the car, he said, I don't know what I've got myself into as he saw who they were. But they were the first of hundreds that crashed the church and stayed there and slept there and moved. Then they got houses and started discipleship and all kinds of things. And thousands that attended services and transformed that church and impacted the city greatly. The hippie generation, the Jesus people, who were written off by popular culture, were of a radically different culture trying to find their way in a traditional congregation, much like ours. It wasn't just the long hair or the Radical clothes, it was the dirt, the smell, the behaviors that were extremely challenging to a nice church. Would the church be flexible? In congregations like St. Margaret's and Open Bible Chapel, if you know Open Bible Chapel, Open Bible Chapel is one of the churches in our history that became who we are today. But it was one of the churches that opened their doors and said yes to these Jesus people and released a tidal wave of salvations in a generation that had been written off, a generation that was absolutely wild with all kinds of protests and, and, and the world's going to end and everything very similar to our day. And it gives me great hope because the, the unchurched were swept into the kingdom of God and young people of the church as well came alive to God. Things like coffee houses began to be started where people would share testimonies and worship and choruses and and began a great work of discipleship. In fact, Pacific Bible College, which is now uh, merged with uh, Life Bible College, Pacific Bible College was started primarily for that, to disciple so many young people coming to Jesus that desperately needed to not just know him, but learn how to walk in his ways. Deliverance, mentoring, loving, and leading a messed up generation in the way of Jesus. But behind the scenes, and this is my point this morning, that's all wonderful. We pray God. Do it again. Leaders were contending with fervent prayer. Pastor Bob said in May 1970, in, in the middle of it all, what have we done to bring in all these young people? We were praying in secret, that's all. For Pastor Bob in particular, as things went on, there was even a season where God asked him to only sleep every other night and spend the other night in prayer. In every generation, God is looking for those that will come near to him and hear the heart of the Father for a generation.
Revelation 3 and 20, Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, to a church that was lukewarm, to a church that what needed to return, he said, here am I. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's not an evangelism verse. That's a verse to the church, to a lukewarm, backslidden church that was open to the possibility that they needed to return. It's an invitation to communion. It says, come to the table. It's an invitation to fellowship. It's an invitation to relationship that's intimate and close. And as the band returns, we are ones that need to respond to his invitation today. Just like that church many, many years ago responded to the invitation of Jesus by opening the doors of their heart and their lives. You see, intimacy with the Lord, and that's why I'm talking more, very little about technique this morning and more about heart. Come, let us return unto the Lord. Because intimacy with the Lord is the source of spiritual authority that shows up in prayer, that shows up in ministry, that shows up in acts of obedience, that shows up in salvation, that shows, shows up in prodigals returning, that shows up in miracle moments, that shows up in societal transformation, that shows up in the healing of our church, that shows up in the reviving of families, that shows up in the, in the bringing together of relationships that people thought were too far gone, that shows up in young people and old people that are absolutely walking around in anxiety, that shows up in people in sexual confusion, God's helping us, all finding its root in intimacy with God. Communication is the first step in returning in relationship. Prayer. And if we are longing that our life had more impact, it's intimacy with God that we are after. Come, let us return to the Lord. Not for the sake of using God to get greater authority, but for the sake of being close to the one we love. Our focus is not just on getting a blessing or an encounter for ourselves. We just want to be close to Jesus and be listening to what he wants us to do next. Will we be open to the possibility that I, that you, that we need to return in some space? Would you be open to the possibility that it's not just another church, but it's our church that needs to return? Would you be open to the possibility that your marriage needs you to return to God? Would we be open to the possibility that the answer that we need is not in who governs us or what laws are passed, but in returning to the Lord? See, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is at the center of what God's doing in the world. And when God's going to move in a nation or in a city or in a region, it's through first reviving his church, like we just read about in history, our history. See, one of the streams of our church is revival, that we would be crazy enough to believe that God, would you use us? Would you revive us according to your word? so that through us, whether we're in Princeton or whether you're online or whether you're in the room, that through us, you could revive and turn around a world that is absolutely messed up. Would we be open to returning? 
We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.